Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean, and I have three men on the podcast with me today. Gentlemen, would you say hi? Hi, Kevin Kenora, Biblical Counselor. Sam Schmidt, Pastor at Sacred City Moline. Alex Tate, Sacred City Youth Director. All right. Well, this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday normal rhythms of life. And today we want to continue our series in the kingdom of the cults, and we are going to take a look at Hinduism. Now, we talked about Buddhism last week, and there's a lot of overlap between Hinduism and Buddhism, and we referenced Hinduism several times, and so we thought we need to follow that up mm-hmm. and uh, do a uh, little podcast on Hinduism. Now, Hinduism has, is, has gained popularity in uh, the United States of America. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, I think that's how you say his name, the mm-hmm. presidential candidate, uh, or the he's trying to get the re- Republican nominee. Nominee. He is a, um, I guess you just call it a Hinduist, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what you call it? Hindu. Mm-hmm. Hindu. He's yeah. Hindu. He's Hindu. All right. And uh, he said that he, he said he has made statements that his faith informs everything he does when it comes to, you know, life and politics, and. Um, I was on I was online a couple, few weeks back or maybe a month or so back and found out that the largest Hindu temple in the world has just been constructed and I think off the top of my head I'm not looking at anything it was in Michigan. So the largest Hindu temple in the world mm. is is in Michigan. And a guy who has a post-millennial understanding of and he would call, consider himself a Christian nationalist, said, man, can you imagine what it's going to be like when we convert the Hindus and we worship Jesus in this temple? And that led a quite the response from Hindu Americans, and they were, they were posting over and over saying, no, mm-hmm. uh, we are going to win America, mm-hmm. and just look at the influence of meditation, just look at the influence of yoga in your society, mm-hmm. In effect, they were saying, we're already winning. Mm. So uh, did you look up that? Is it in? Yeah, so it is the largest Hindu temple outside of Asia. Oh, got you. New Jersey. Oh, it's New Jersey. New Built Jersey. Built by 12,500 volunteers. Yeah, that's, that's the insane. It took them a long time. Yeah. Had peop- Well, and that's some of the controversy that we'll get into today because they are, have been, they've been being sued because 12,500 volunteers. Hmm. Volunteers. Well, if you believe in what's called a caste system, then you can import what are actually called slaves, and you can have slaves build your temple. So that they're actually under a lot of scrutiny right now with the building of this temple. But it is so. Yeah, in New Jersey. So I was wrong. Not Michigan. It's in New Jersey, but outside of Asia, the largest temple in the world. So, Kevin, why don't you give us a brief overview of Hindu? Where did, where did it come from? You know, how old is it? Where, you know, what, let's start there. Yeah, so Hinduism claims to be um, one of, if not the oldest religion in the world. We know, obviously, Christianity has them beat, and more than likely, Islam has them beat too, Ishmael, in, in some form. Well, uh, it, yeah, we would say Islam ancestry, does not have them beat because right. they, created, they were created 700 years after Christ, and they just co-opted Judaism and Christianity. Yeah, I'm, I misspoke. Yeah, but second oldest, I think Confucianism is actually, which is coming more from China, I, yeah. Th- I yeah, think, yeah. is one of the oldest as well. But then this has got 
Um, it's like 1,500 years or 2,000 years before Jesus or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, we talked about Buddhism last time, like you said. So if you think about a lot of, um, a lot of Hindus would see Buddhism um, probably similar to how the Catholic Church considers Protestants, you know, as kind of a rebellious child who's, who's split off from them. And so a lot of the foundational beliefs of um, Buddhism, reincarnation specifically, um, they're all super foundational to Hinduism as well. Um, they, they claim the third largest religion in the world. They say that they have 900 million adherents. So it's, it's a monistic religion, which means they see all reality as one, sort of. Um, they also worship... So kind of the, the ultimate goal of Hinduism is to seek oneness with the ultimate reality, the ultimate spirit they call Brahman. So let's, let's just do a, a brief overview. Remember the difference between oneism and twoism. Oneism is some religion that believes all is one, whether there's nothing that exists but matter. Mm-hmm. That would be atheists, secularists, materialists, or all is spirit, mm-hmm. or all is God. God is everything. It's everything in the, in the known universe is made up of one thing, or mm-hmm. unknown universe. It's all made up of one, one ultimate reality. Where Christianity says no, there there are we're twoists. Yeah. There is God, and there is creation, and those things are separate. Even though God can enter into creation and He rules all of creation, those things are are, are separate. Yeah. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Um, and so, doing the research, um, I learned that they adhere to what's called henotheism, he, henotheism, which is the worship of one supreme God, quote unquote. So that that one unifying spirit. Um, that has apparently 330 million um, manifestations. So this is where we get the term avatar. Um, Well, so let's get into this. When it's talking about manifestation, they're talking about lower G gods Mm -hmm. and goddesses. Mm. So Hindus, they say there's up to 330 million gods. And they're just saying that because they're what they call avatars, that this god can take many shapes, many forms, many can you know enter into creation in many many different ways and so they can worship any of these beings any mm-hmm. of these gods and so if you go to a hindu temple they often have all kind of crazy statues mm-hmm. of different creatures different gods and goddesses but like kevin was saying this is where we get the word avatar from now if you hear the word avatar what do you think about the movie yeah. <laughs> you think about the movie? Yeah. Your online, your online profile. Video games. Okay, you think of your online profile, mm-hmm. you think of video games, mm-hmm. all these things. Now, interestingly enough, that the movie Avatar is very much influenced by Hinduism. Oh, yeah. mm. Because all is one. Remember, yeah. even the trees and the thing, they're every mm-hmm. you know, it's mm-hmm. all one life mm-hmm. force that goes through everything and and human beings are the bad guys that are gonna, you know take away that life force and, and, and human beings are seen literally as a scourge upon the earth. Yeah. They're like cockroaches to the good of all, all creation. Yeah. And then avatar. Yeah. You think your avatar online, your avatar in a video game where you're playing, but you can take whatever manifestation that you want to take. You mm-hmm. can choose a girl, you can choose a guy, you can choose a buff guy, you can choose a black guy, white guy, whatever you want. Those are avatars. Well, that comes from Hinduism that believes that God can take the shape of anything or anyone in, in, in creation. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And so we talked about, we, we've alluded to the caste system a little bit, um, but it's kind of the, the organizing principle of their society. You mind if I get into that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I think it's very important. So there's, there's five branches. Um, the, the kind of top tier they call the Brahmin, which that's based on, so those are, they say the priests, the academics, the intellectuals who are devoting their time to learning and seeking oneness with Brahman, the, um, the, the organizing spirit of the world. The next tier, um, it's the Kashtira, and that's based on, so Hindu believe in three kind of major manifestations of this, this spirit. Brahman is the creator and the organizer. Kashtira is the, the destroyer, right? So I believe the, the six-armed deity with all the swords running yep. around, I believe that's her. And so this cast are kind of her... her oh, the bad one's a woman? Yeah. Ah, Interesting. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> So this, this caste are the warriors and the kings, kind of the, the ruling caste, not afraid to destroy things. And then the Vaisha are kind of the, the merchants, the landowners. And it's interesting, from what I remember, this manifestation of this spirit is, is considered the deceiver, the, the, the trickster of the three. And so then the next um, tier down are called the Sudra. These are your commoners, your peasants, your servants. And so then the, the fifth level um, are what they call the untouchables. And so these are, I mean, arguably lower than slaves. Like you don't touch them, you don't look at them, you don't think about them, um, you just ignore them. They're, they're, they're less, they're as close to inhuman as you can be without mm-hmm. being human. And so getting into this, where we talked last time about um, reincarnation, that starts primarily in the caste system. And so they'd say, hey, if you're a Brahmin, that means that you lived a great life, you elevated yourself in a past life. As a reward, the magical spirit reincarnated you as, as a, an upper-tier, upper-class individual. And so if you're born into the untouchable class, hey, you did a really bad job, you should have done better. And so the, the view of the good life for you is just to, to suffer and basically hope for the best that you're you're reincarnated at a higher level yeah and I, it's it's even it's even worse than that first off you can't in the caste system you can't cross lines mm-hmm. you can't mm-hmm. work yourself out if you're born as an untouchable you can't work yourself up into higher class system yes and b- what you have to do is work your whole life to become the best person you could possibly be mm-hmm and then die and hope to be reincarnated mm-hmm. into the next level of caste system. Yeah. So think about <clears throat> this just in the realm of first Christianity where Jesus picks some untouchables. He picks fishermen, he yeah. picks tax collectors, he picks prostitutes, he picks these people, and he elevates them up to um, high spiritual levels, let's yeah. say. He calls them his own disciples he tells them that he gives them the riches of Christ. They're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Many times that redemption brings with it an elevation of society, societal status as well. Uh, you, you know, we've talked about the redemption and lift principle before, mm-hmm. that you can become wealthy, you can become, be, become successful mm-hmm. uh, by following biblical principles. Not yeah. always, but, um, you know, a, a man who's, who's great at his craft will stand before kings, mm-hmm. Proverbs tells us. Yeah. Um, his craft. Is that what I said? Yep. Okay, I think yep. that's what I said. <clears throat> but so there is this lift principle. 
that America was really founded on. Like, you don't have to, you're not held captive to whatever it is that's, that's holding you back mm -hmm. from, from childhood, whether it be poverty, whether it be disability, whether it be the color of your skin, you don't have to be held back by any of these, any of these standards. And Christ doesn't look at any, any of those standards when he, when he redeems you, right? Mm -hmm. In Christ, there's no longer male or female, slave or free. Mm -hmm. Well, this is a completely different system. Mm -hmm. And it, it really is slavery to your caste system that only promises you the hope of redemption after death. And it's not even redemption. That's wrong. I shouldn't have said that. It's reincarnation. Mm. It's another chance. Try again. Try again. Do it over again. Right? It's like the video game where you die and then, oh, I start from the beginning and maybe I'll get another chance at beat, beating, it, beating it this time. Yeah. Right? So do they have the highest suicide rate for some people that are like, oh, this life sucks. I'm going to... No, I don't, I don't know if they do or not. I, I, haven't, I haven't researched that. But no, because... To do that, to take your own life out of the hands of the great spirit would be, I'm pretty sure that that would be like immediate, hey, you're an untouchable. Yeah, next, next life you're going to be untouchable. Yeah, mm. you've done the worst that you can do. Oh. Yeah. So think about this system like just as an American. We've already thought about it as a Christian, but think of it as an American, right? This is, it's not only anti-Christ, mm. it's also anti-American. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> like we have people that, that come out of poverty and they can become president of the United States in our country. Mm -hmm. Not so in India. Mm. Well, and I think, um, just thought off the top of my head now, which is always dangerous, but I think that's why the story of, they made the movie Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah. I think that's why that's such a dramatic, why that was such a, an earth-shattering thing in, in India, because you don't do that. Mm -hmm. You don't go from rags to riches. And, and that's a story of exactly that principle happening. Yeah. Um, so then, actually, I, I shared with you guys off mic last week, but maybe the, the one piece of trivia that I learned from my public school education that's, that's finally being a benefit. Um, any of you guys ever played Chutes and Ladders? Yeah. 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 So that was actually developed in Hinduism as a way to explain the caste system, right? So you start at a lower number. If you do well, you elevate. You take the ladder to a higher caste in the next life. If you do poorly, you take the snake or the chute all the way back down to the beginning. Mm. So just a... Shoots and ladders <laughs> as a metaphor for religion and life. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. I always hated that game. <laughs> <laughs> for good cause. Turns out it was the right response. It's a game with your life. That's terrible. <laughs> and so obviously we don't agree with Buddhism, but you can kind of see having the context of Hinduism and that, that kind of hopeless wheel cycle of reincarnation, um, apart from Christ, you can see kind of why Buddha tried to, quote, break the cycle, mm -hmm. um, just living in, in a hopeless, completely works-based society that had just no hope, right? Yeah. This week I was reading um, a book, and G.K. Chesterton commented, he said, there's a reason why Buddha is always pictured with his legs crossed and his eyes closed because the world doesn't matter. Yeah. Like the world's not real. Mm -hmm. The physical mm -hmm. world isn't real. All that exists is spirit. And this is in the same way with Hindu. Mm -hmm. Like the, the, the picture of their eyes closed is, hey, your suffering doesn't really matter. The, the station in your life doesn't really matter. You're just going to have to bear it and suffer until you get another chance at, a, you know, another... Uh, chance to be reincarnated yeah 
So really, not much hope in this religion. Yeah, not much hope at all. Um, so in, in getting into some of their beliefs, we talked about 330 million manifestations of, of God. And then the, the top three manifestations were Vishnu, Shiva, and Shakti, um, basically depending on the branch of Hinduism that you followed. And so this is where, in saying 330 million options, so they would, they would, they're, they're kind of the progenitor of, hey, all paths lead basically to the same place, right? And so they would accept Jesus Christ as, yeah, yeah, he was a lower G God. He was a manifestation of Brahma, right? And so you, you kind of see the danger, um, and we've talked about this on other podcasts, but the danger of, well, it's, it's one-ism, right? Saying, Logically, well, yeah, yeah, any, any route can lead to Christ. And Christ says, hey, if anyone doesn't come through me, right, it's not going to go well. And so you see kind of the, the internal logic, um, well, like any cult, the internal logic isn't great. And so some, some kind of organizing principles, they have the concept of Dharma, D-H-A-R-M-A. And so it, it kind of represents the, the duty, the conduct, the law, the order, basically legalism um, that plays, they'd say, a significant role in the caste system. So each caste having its own rules and regulations that, that you have to abide by. And so they would say that it's related to karma and the cycle of rebirth and reincarnation as a faithful observance of particular duties is necessary for moving into a higher caste in the next life. Yeah. So... <clears throat> If you do good, you'll be rewarded. If you do poorly, you'll be punished. But you also have to work hard in the cast that you've been given. Meaning that they, they would argue if you're an untouchable, you're supposed to be the best untouchable you could possibly be. Whatever that means. Without trying to further yourself. Um, <clears throat> and then karma, we talked about last time. But kind of as the backbone of the religious and social system of Hinduism. Um, whatever you have, whatever you do. It's a result of either good or bad of the previous life that you lived. Yeah, and I would just say, like, karma is a demonic system Absolutely. and a demonic belief. And Christians, I've heard Christians say, oh, you know, oh, that's karma, man, that's karma. Um, we, shouldn't be, we, we shouldn't be speaking that way. That's a completely different religion. It's a completely different religious um, concept than you reap what you sow. Mm -hmm. Like, if you did something bad and you got put in jail or whatever, that's, that's you reap what you sow. Mm -hmm. That's not karma. Yeah. Like something bad happened to me, and that's a result of what I did in my last life. Yeah. I mean, again, we talked about it a little bit last week, but that is, um, I bet you there's not too many counselors in uh, the Hindu religion. No. You know, they come in. better yourself. They Where's come the in hope? and they say, hey, I got all these problems, I got all these issues, and the counselor says, yeah, you did it in your last life, man. Yeah. So do better this time. I mean, that's, that's the extent of, of counseling. Yeah, and really, the, the saying, what goes around comes around, is derived from the cycle of reincarnation, right? I don't know if we've <clears throat> said that in other places, but yeah, so. Um, can you guys think of the top two or three things that are most common Western, well, have commonly wormed their way into Western society from Hinduism? Well, I think I've already said two. Mm -hmm. I think yoga is definitely one of them mm -hmm. um yoga is everywhere and yoga is a, a spiritual practice yeah. 
um, that the Hindus invented, mm -hmm. right? Came up through Hinduism, and um, and so. So speaking of that, is that yeah. something that Christians are trying to reform, or is that even a thing? Yeah, that's a great question, and it depends on how you understand culture and mm -hmm. how you understand. Um, mm -hmm. I guess the, it's a it's a very tight rope to walk because Christ can Christ does redeem and he can redeem all things mm -hmm. right and just like you know we we could we could say you know there's different you know pagan aspects to certain holidays that Christ and Christians have redeemed mm -hmm. and used them to celebrate Christ yep right but we're talking we're not just talking about a cultural artifact or a cultural celebration. We're talking about a worship practice. Mm -hmm. And so it's very, it's very um, concerning mm -hmm. when you're taking something that was a religious worship practice that's mm -hmm. got all kinds of things that we don't understand, certain poses, meditation, chanting, all kind of emptying yourself, opening yourself up to spirits, things like that, that we don't, we're not really aware of. And, and, and I don't know if I sh shared this on here before, but, um, before when I was kind of unaware of, of this, my wife and I went to a hot yoga class in Omaha and I'd never been to any yoga class or hot yoga class. And I think we got a free thing or something. So we went and first up I stepped in and I'm like, Oh man, it feels just like a wrestling room in here. It's so mm -hmm. hot. Uh, and I, I don't mind sweating and I like sweating and I'm terrible. I'm never, I've never been flexible. So I was like, oh, I need to stretch, you know, like mm -hmm. I'm, this is hot stretching to me. Yeah. Hot stretching. That's what it is. It's like hot stretching, sweaty stretching. I couldn't let that slide. And I'm like, so that's what I, I went in there to do. But when I got in there and I, I didn't know anything about, I don't know, I don't know anything about the poses. I don't know. Yeah. I, I've heard that all the poses mean different things and stuff. And, and I, but again, I don't, I'm not an expert on that. So I'm not aware of any of that. What I then I became aware of was the teacher started saying, you know, you're, we have all this stuff in our life. We're very stressed, all this kind of stuff. Now we need to release our chakras into the universe. And I'm like, what the heck is that? And, and the instructor literally go, like we're in a pose or whatever, and he goes, Wah! And he like looks up and he's like screaming as like a real guttural scream and like looks like stretches his neck and like looks up into the ceiling. And I turned to Amanda and I'm like, oh no, mm -hmm. we're not doing that. Yeah. Whatever this is, this is something that Christians should not be doing. Whatever, right. whatever this thing is. But the, what, what does everybody else do? The whole class starts mm -hmm. doing this, doing this thing, you know, this um, religious mantra or you know, whatever, whatever it is. And so many naive people go to things like that, just like I did mm -hmm. and have no idea what is really going on, what's under the surface. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think you could be, um, opening yourself up, not just to one of the 330 million so-called 
uh, manifestations of a deity, so demons or gods. You could be opening yourself up to that. But also, you could just be compromising your Christian witness and compromising the truth and participating with things that Christians just should not participate with. Now, can a Christian get rid of all those pagan aspects and do, you know, Christian hot stretching? Sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. But again, it would take an immense, I I would think it would take an immense amount of research Mm -hmm. to make sure the poses that you're doing Mm -hmm. and, you know, basically the liturgy is not being informed by Hinduism and false worship. Even if you're completely unaware of it, you could be completely, um, you know, have good motives and, and fully Christian and yet be completely unaware of it. I think you should be, you know, concerned about that. Yeah. And that was, how long ago was that? About 12 years ago? More than that? Yeah. It would have been, it would have been 14, basically 14 years ago. Yeah. This year, I remember seeing an article of a a girl in um, like a Chicago high school who that school had implemented um, a quote unquote quiet time program, which was basically taking five or six kids into a dark, quiet room and teaching them transcendental Meditation. Meditation, right? And I'm trying to remember, she had said that at least it felt like idol worship, just the way that the the guru was set up and stuff like that. So let me tell you why that's a problem. Transcendental meditation is about emptying yourself. Mm -hmm. Again, if you think about Hinduism and Buddhism, that Buddhism wants you to be free of all desire, right? So it's it's about emptying yourself and then just kind of being a blank slate. A tabla rasa is what it's been called, like just emptying yourself and being... Mm. Christianity never condones that type of meditation. Christianity is about filling yourself with the truth of the scripture. We're filled with the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. We're meant to, we're meant to be, uh, you know, filled by the Spirit and, and, and filling ourselves with the truth and taking every thought captive. Mm-hmm. So opening yourself up and emptying yourself can actually be a really dangerous place to be. Could you get physical benefits from it? Sure. But that's not, we want to make sure that Christ is Lord overall. Yeah. Right. And we're not opening ourselves up to things that, you know, Jesus talks about casting out demons and they, they, they go out of a person. And then after a little while, what do they do? They come back and look and see if that, that place is empty and clean and swept and clean. And then they come back in, seven times worse than they, they left, yeah. they left, right? So transcendental meditation, though Christians could use words like, hey, I've been meditating, I've been meditating on scripture. I've been contemplating, I've been doing, those are not the same things. Yeah. So we should be, we should steer clear of, you know, Hinduism and mm. its effects. So we've talked about some of these more ancient cults, Hinduism, Buddhism, even the worship of Satan. Why do you think... Overall, there's an appeal, there's a draw to these. Um, Two reasons that I can think of off the top of my head. Number one, we're made homo religioso. We're made religious. We're we're made in the image of God. We're made to worship God. We know that there's more than the physical world around us, and we want to get in touch with the spiritual world. 
Yeah. Okay. So we're naturally religious. We want to get in touch with the, re the religious world. And the second thing, second reason why it could be appealing is because it's really old. Mm -hmm. It's really old and it, it, you know, the Beatles made it hip. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, it's kind of, in one sense, it's it's like an over. It can be an overreaction to like capitalism, mm -hmm. capitalism, materialism. We get so um, consumed with the things of this world yeah. that we fall off the horse on the other side, mm -hmm. right? And now, oh, this world doesn't matter. All that matters is is my, you know, homeostasis within only my me. being. What'd you say? I said only me. Only me, and I'm what. I know that one, I'm made religious, and two, stuff really attracts me, mm -hmm. and this materialistic world really compels me to want to give my whole life for my paycheck or for spending money or for consumerism. And Hinduism offers you kind of a separate; it gives you kind of bet, you know, what it, you know, both of those things combined. Mm -hmm. You're you're spiritual. You're getting in connect in connection with. The, the spirit, universe. the great spirit. It's not too narrow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's 330 million options. Yeah. So you can choose whatever, you know. Change them at will. Avatar you want to yeah. you want to focus on. Mm. And it and it can and I'm it, in one sense, I can understand how it could provide a person some um sanity. Mm. You know, you know what I mean by that? Like mm. you're, it's pulling you out of consumerism. It's giving, it, it's giving you control over your own internal sure. self. Sure. Yeah. Right. It's much like stoicism. It's giving. I mean, it's, they're very different, but it's giving you, it's giving you self control over the pull towards consumerism and materialism, mm -hmm. yeah. while at the same time offering you connection with a spirit. Mm -hmm. And I think. I'm not saying it doesn't work for those things. I, I think it can. I think I think a demon, a demon, you know, screw tape letters says a, a demon can damn you to hell any way he wants, or the best the best ways are possible are, are the ways that are like inconspicuous. Yeah. You know, and so if he can give you a little bit of peace in your meditation time, and that's going to damn you to hell, that's what he'll do. He doesn't mm. have to show up with a you know horns <clears throat> and a pitchfork. Yeah, I was oh. thinking that maybe a third thing to throw in the ring would be more of a practical side of things. It's like people are looking for help on how to navigate the world. Mm -hmm. And all of these offer some kind of a worldview structure or some sort of framework of how to navigate. Gives a little bit of a definition of what the good life is, like what we should be pursuing, what we, sh we should be doing with our life that will lead to get the results that we want. So it helps us along in making sense of the world. And the problem with the cults are is that they, lead, they, they misguide us to yeah. a place that actually doesn't help. It hurts big yeah. time. Yeah, what you don't hear too much about in Hinduism is truth, mm -hmm. right? What is truth? And Christianity, though it's it's not easy to follow Jesus, he does promise us life and life more abundantly, and we're rooted in truth, yeah. right? Yeah. God's given us two forms of revelation, general revelation, you could call creation, so we can study creation and we can find um, how he's made things and what the world is like and what works mm -hmm. and what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And then he's given a special revelation, the word of God that teaches us clearly who God is, what he's done for mm -hmm. us, what we must do, right? Yeah. In response to that, how we must be saved through Jesus. And Hinduism doesn't have that. Right. 
they yeah. don't have that absolute truth. Can you explain, like, because they, they have some sacred texts, but they don't necessarily uh, hold them in high regard in the same way that Christians do the Bible, or maybe other, like the Mormons hold the Book of Mormon? Yeah, yeah. So they have um, essentially wisdom writings that are meant to be good guides, meant to be good... Um, they're, they're called Vedas, which is from a word that means knowledge or wisdom. And so I guess they take the form of like ancient hymns. And so there, there are four different books, but, um, well, like, like most of the rest of Hinduism, it isn't based on required authority so much as kind of personal preference, you know. Um, so they're, they're kind of philosophical texts. They see them as, as wisdom texts that are foundational for the spiritual journey, but aren't necessarily kind of in that, hey, all paths go to the same place mentality. You don't have to read them. You don't have to abide by them. There is no bearing authority. Yeah. Again, yeah. there's no truth. Mm. There's no truth. There's no absolute truth. And again, our, our text has that kind of writing in it. It has wisdom literature mm-hmm. in it mm-hmm. and how to live. But our scripture is primarily about what God has done yeah. to save us. Yeah. That God created all things, that we fell, mm-hmm. that we needed a redeemer, that Jesus Christ, that God was going to promise to redeem send the Redeemer, that Jesus Christ came, fulfilled all these prophecies, and what he's going to do in the new heavens and the new earth. Mm-hmm. And another, uh, you could look this up, look mm-hmm. this up while I, while I say this, because I, I think this, this is off the top of my head. Ready. But what, I want to know what, what are Hindus' view of history? Mm-hmm. And in, in a sense, I, I believe that hit, they believe it's a circle, a, a mm. circular view of history. So it, it just fit with the. It whole just constantly repeats itself. It just constantly repeats itself, where Christians and Jews view history as a linear progression. So it started at creation and it's moving towards something. It's mm-hmm. moving towards the new heavens, the new earth, and l- like, you know, I've read different scholars that said the Jews created history, modern mm. history, because they were writing down actual history. And they believed that they were moving to something. And so history mattered. So they don't repeat. We don't want to repeat the failures of the past. We want to grow and learn from history and become better. And that's the way Christians view history. And God entered into history. So history is not a circular pattern that just constantly repeats itself over and over and over with different cycles. But it's a, now it can ebb and flow and go up and down. But it's we're moving towards something. Right. Mm. We had a beginning, and we're moving towards an end. Mm-hmm. And the Bible teaches that time itself will end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, time had a beginning. God existed before. God was existed in eternity. He created time when He created creation, and time itself will have an end mm-hmm. at new creation. Mm. And we live with Him forever. We live in eternity. Yeah. So you're right. Hindus do have. A circular view of time. They believe it's it's broken up into essentially four ages. So kind of you see where the new age spirituality got their motivation. And so every 4.32 billion years, the universe burns to the ground and, and resurrects from the ashes. So we got some time. Yeah, we have some time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't know where bit. we are. We could be at, you know. Oh, yeah, we could be we at the could end. We could be on the last year for all we know. Oh, okay. All right. All right. <clears throat> so, I'm interested. There's a lot of mysticism involved with Hinduism, Buddhism, 
Satanism, a lot of cults, right? We even talked about Mormonism, how there are these, these mystical aspects. Um, what is it about the mystical, the magical, the mysterious that draws people in? I think it's the same thing I said before. We're created religious, and by that, there is, well, we're told in Scripture that God has put eternity mm-hmm. in the human heart. Yeah. So we crave to live forever. We crave to know the God that made us. Mm. Um, we know in our bones that there's more to this world than we can actually see, yeah. that the spirit, the spirit world is real. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> magic is just claiming to tap into that. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, I think science, when, it, when science becomes a religion and it becomes scientism, mm-hmm. it's doing the same basically thing, right. same thing. So in, uh, I, think it's, I think it was the Middle Ages that they would talk about science and chemistry. At, they, would, they would talk about alchemy mm. and basically mm-hmm. viewed yeah. chemistry and, as almost magic. And in, in some sense, I, th- I think it is. And what is magic? Magic is trying to allow human beings to control creation mm-hmm. in special ways. Yeah. And the things that science can do today, I think, falls under magic and mm-hmm. falls under alchemy. and foul, Like thinking about transgender surgeries and yeah. cutting off a person's genitals and a male cutting off a male's genitals and carving out a disgusting hole mm-hmm. there that doesn't work property properly that will require constant hormones and constant mm-hmm. antibiotics to keep the thing from sealing up because it's a wound it's an open wound in a person's body yeah. what is that what is that that's alchemy mm-hmm. that, that's some kind of witchcraft that's witchcraft right that's disgusting and i think we're you know we're 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 paying for it and i think i think it's science can move into scientism and become a religion right and i think with technology what are we looking at with technology technology is moving into that same alchemy type of magical world where what if we put a computer chip into our brain and we could do that what if the virtual world was the world we wanted to live in and we no longer wanted to live in the real world. Well, that sounds like a, an advanced technological form of Hinduism to me. Yeah. yeah. Like the real world's not real. I'm going to go and live in a, in, a, in, a, in a virtual world. And, and even in that reality, quote unquote reality, you become the God spirit and your life in that virtual reality becomes you are that avatar. You're incarnated again, air quotes, in that avatar. That's really interesting. Yeah. Horrifying, but interesting. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't be incarnated because incarnate means put on flesh, but you you become an avatar. Yeah. You, you, mm. you put on digital skin. Mm-hmm. You put on digital skin, and that could be your real life. It's jacked up. It's, it's horrible. It's concerning. And, and what are we doing as a society? Uh, we're rushing headlong into this as fast as we can. Yeah. Even though the makers of things like AI, just the last six months, the, the, the leading tech guys 
in AI are coming out and saying, this is dangerous, this is dangerous, we should stop doing this, we should put some regulations into this, we should figure something out here. And, you know, what are we doing by, we're trying to create human beings. Like, they're doing it in China, they're doing it in different places, they're trying to create human beings in a lab. What is that if it's not alchemy? What is that if it's not magic? Wow. Right? It's, it's concerning, right? So, yeah, so Hinduism is something that you should reject. Mm -hmm. And um, if you're witnessing to a Hindu, you should talk to them about uh, creation. Talk to them about God, obviously. Mm -hmm. Talk to them about redemption, that Jesus Christ can save us from our sins, all of our sins, once and for all, and he can lift us out of whatever station of life that we find ourselves in, that he promises to give us eternal life, yeah, that man. sin isn't just, isn't just failing to miss a mark and mm -hmm. failing to be good enough. Sin is also, and what we call it, we say in the words of R.C. Sproul, cosmic treason against a personal God. Yeah. That's, a, that's one big thing too. Christianity says there is one God and in three persons, and he's a personal God, mm. the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm. And you can know for certain this personal God. In Hinduism, there is no personal God. He is impersonal. Yeah. It's just a, whatever you want to call it, creator or spirit or whatever it is, but it's an impersonal God. Mm. In Christianity, Jesus offers us knowledge of the Father mm -hmm. and adoption as sons and daughters, yeah. right? Through his work and not our own. And then promises us a new heavens and a new earth mm -hmm. that is free of suffering. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot more hope, hope in Christianity. And Christianity, I think, makes better sense of the world that we actually live in. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Than Hinduism does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so, all right. Any other thoughts or questions before we get into it? That's good. Or before we get out of it, I guess. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. So this is our foray into Hinduism. None of us are Hindu scholars. Uh, we're doing some reading in the book, The Kingdom of the Cults by Walter Martin. And um, if you got any questions, you could email me at justindean at sacredcitychurch.com or email sam at sam at sacredcitychurch.com. We do love you. We appreciate you listening to us. And uh, yeah, we're praying for you. God bless. God bless.